Welcome to Outdoor Adventures with Jason. Each week, I bring the world of hunting, fishing, and conservation to you. From the great hunting and fishing opportunities found in the Americas to the dream safaris located on the dark continent beyond. I'll introduce you to those who are already out in the field living every outdoor enthusiast's dream, as well as outfitters and gear manufacturers that can make those dreams your reality. Killin' Sticks Arrows are for the serious hunter, a company that understands the needs of the outdoorsman and provides five different styles of carbon fiber arrows, ranging from hunting to tournament arrows. If you want premium carbon fiber arrows, go to Killin' Sticks, K-I-L-L-N-S-T-I-X.com to review their carbon arrows. For listeners of the Outdoor Adventures with Jason show, use promo code OUTDOORS to get 10% off your first order. Killin' Sticks where the blood trail begins. Welcome to this week's episode of Outdoor Adventures with Jason. I'm really excited to bring you this week's episode. Got just a neat gentleman on. He's been working here with folks in and out of the state of Texas for many years, uh, spreading tradition of hunting, both bow hunting and, and, and more important, just hunting safety. Gentleman's name is Lou Murillo, and Lou, by day, is lead singer of a band called Man of War. Lou, how are you doing today? Hey, Jason. I'm doing great. I'm up here in uh, central New York right now in my own hometown, just, uh, sitting out on my deck next to the pool and enjoying the day, so it's cool. As a singer from a band, and you're located in central New York, how did you end up right. as a, a hunting editor of a Texas Fish and Game magazine? Well, it's it's kind of a neat story. You know, one of the, uh, one of the head guys at Texas Fish and Game, Chester Moore, was a uh, is a is a big fan of Man War, and uh, when he was writing for different magazines, uh, he got an assignment to uh, write for a music magazine, and we were playing down in Texas at the time, down in Dallas. That particular day, I was on I was on the list for um, doing all the interviews. Joey usually did them, or I would do them. We'd split them back and forth, and it was just my day to do them. Chester came late. <laughs> I don't know what happened, but he came late. I had been doing interviews all afternoon. And I was getting ready for the show, and I get a phone call from our manager saying, there's another interview for you downstairs. And I said, oh, man, I, I just didn't want to do any more. You know, Long story short, I ended up going downstairs in the elevator to do my last interview. And I had a turkey call in my mouth because I was calling in the hotel room, just practicing different calls. So I had it in my mouth still, and I got down to the lobby, and the first thing he said to me, he says, uh, just nice to meet you, and looking forward to the show, and he said, uh, for, uh, before we get started, he said, I, I read someplace that you were a, a hunter, is that is that true? And I just started calling with my turkey call in a five-star hotel lobby, and he said, you know, oh yeah, oh yeah, no, this is going to go well, then. and we ended up getting <laughs> to be friends, uh, he invited me down to Texas. I went on a, a few television shows down there, and um, one thing led to another, and uh, he asked me if I'd write an article for the magazine, which I did, and a lot of people liked it, and, and uh, then they asked me if I'd just be a regular columnist um, every month for the magazine, and I said, I'd love to, you know, and um, I really enjoyed it. It gave me something to do in the hotel rooms when I was over in Europe, you know, I'd send a column in every month. Then they just asked me, okay, listen, besides bow hunting, how about we do just hunting in general and you're the hunting editor? So I said, hey, that's fine. It works for me. And that's how it all started. And uh, for the last, it'll be 10 years this year, uh, for the last 10 years that I've been writing for Texas Fishing Game and I love every minute of it. Now, did you grow up in a hunting family? You know, my dad hunted. Um, I grew up with uh, nine other siblings. 
and nobody hunted really um, except me. Um, my brother, who's my who's 18 years my junior, <laughs> he decided that he wanted to start hunting as well. And now he and I go hunting quite a bit at this stage in our life. But uh, my dad introduced me to hunting, and I remember going with him when I when he used to carry me on, my, on his shoulder in the woods. And uh, he used to set me down, and I can't tell you how many times I ruined the hunt for him just by being exciting and pointing <laughs> at a deer, and that kind of thing. But my dad was, you know, he was he was pretty cool about it, and uh, you know, big smile on his face. You know, it just it just made it made memories for me that I'll never ever forget. You know, it just gave me the love of the outdoors, and um, that's that's something I have to commend my dad for. You are well known for both your archery and hunter safety as well as the archery right. safety. Have right. you had a chance to travel all around the U.S. doing just archery hunting, or are you agnostic? Will you hunt rifle, shotgun? It doesn't matter to you. Well, it really doesn't matter to me. I had to prefer something. It would be with bow, definitely with a bow, because I think it's more of a challenge, and I, I like the challenge of it all. You know, it can be a little. It can be a little hairy at times. You're out there hunting for hogs down in Texas with a bow in your hand. I mean, you know, that could be a little hairy. <laughs> I, I really enjoyed it. I, I have to tell you, I I look forward to going out every chance I can with my bow. But if bow season is over and, and legally I can't bring a bow out in the field, well, then I can carry a rifle or shotgun. I'm fine with it, too. I just like being away from the pavement out on uh, out in the woods and, uh, you know, with, with nature, one with nature. And I just love being out there. So, uh, yeah, I've, I've been fortunate enough to to hunt in Missouri and uh, out in uh, South Dakota I hunted and I was down in uh, Texas many times hunting down in Texas and um, I've met a lot of people made a lot of friends and had a lot of good times yeah so it's it's not something that's exclusive to bow hunting but it's hunting in general I love <laughs> well and that's what it's always about is the the camaraderie and, and making friends it really is it really is now then about a decade or so ago you and Chester went out and made a hunting video, Wildlife yeah, and Wild did. Times. We made a DVD. Yeah, we made a DVD, Wildlife and Wild Times, and uh, still out there, and people can get it through the Man of War website. But it's really good because, I mean, I hunted for, we both hunted for many, many different species, and uh, fished as well uh, up at the Great Lakes here in New York. We fished for some king salmon up here, and uh, I was down in Texas, and we, we hunted for rams down there, and uh, hogs and deer and, and you name it we were out there hunting for it and uh we just had a lot of fun and at the end of the at the end of the dvd there's a blooper reel that's really funny <laughs> it's really hilarious and uh, we kept it in because we thought you know that's part of it all the laughs and the good times and you know it's not just there's an animal point aim shoot you know talk about it you know that's that's nice to see for hunters but they want to see the human part of it as well and and so that was it. You know, we decided to leave all that stuff in there and let them laugh and have a good time over our mistakes. You know, it was just fun. It was just fun to do. Well, and that's it. Just two guys having a good time. That's what's more important than anything else is that you're having a good time. Exactly. One thing that's kind of nice about it is, you know, we explain, you know, where the animal originated from. And, you know, we explain how you know, this animal came from Europe, you know, brought over here from Europe and um, you know now it's abundant here in Texas and you know and we talk about we talk about the animal itself and the habitat that it's used to and and why we're hunting the way we're hunting so it's kind of a educational video as well it's exciting and I was able to um, 
we needed some music for it, obviously. So Man of War has a studio up here in New York, and so I went in the studio and I wrote some pieces for the uh, for the DVD and recorded the pieces up here. I played guitar, bass, drums, and I had a blast doing that. You know, I just recorded all the parts, and played it there on the DVD, and that that came out really, really nice. So when you buy that, you get not only the hunting, but you get a. Uh... Uh, basically a soundtrack of music to listen to it that's yeah you do it's a soundtrack yeah that's cool it's really cool it's suspenseful you know exciting um and it, it fits well with with uh, the scene that we're showing on the dvd well now you mentioned speaking of music this is the band's 40th year and final tour is it not it is it is jason this is it uh we've got one last tour coming up as far as I know, it starts in November in Scandinavia, and then we head down to uh, head down to Germany in December. I fly home for Christmas around December 18th, somewhere in there, and then I don't know where we go after that, but it will continue for a little while after that. Um, I just don't know where yet. So, you know, I'm looking forward to that. I'm not looking, you know, it's kind of a, you know, catch-22 thing. I mean, I really, I'm going to miss the big stage. Of course I am. You know, but all, sure. all good things have to come to an end at some point. And uh, so, you know, Man of Wars decided to call it a day. And, you know, who knows what's going to happen after that. I might continue to sing. I, I might just grab my bowl and get out in the woods a little more often than I did before. But um, see, we'll see. The future still yet to be told. Are you going to have any time or downtime during that tour to be able to do any hunting while in Europe? I don't think I'll be able to hunt in Europe. They have strict regulations out there. Even bringing your bow across the across the European lines, a little tough. Um, I did it one one year, and I had included in our carne for the, which is a list of uh, of everything you have in the in trucks and everything going across lines. So I listed my bow and arrow as as stage props, and they got through. You know, it's it's too the regulations are too big out there. And, um, you know, when I'm, when I'm touring, I don't have a lot of downtime. I have downtime when I get home, but over in Europe, the downtime is spent, uh, you know, doing interviews or traveling from one country to another Sure. and, um, or t or TV appearances. And I really don't have a lot of time where I could say, listen, guys, I need to get up at dark 30 in the morning. <laughs> you know, I can't do the interview today. <laughs> I can't do that. You know, so I, I really am limited in that respect. But I that's okay. You know, I hunt a lot when I get home. And we have just about every species to hunt, particularly in Texas. We can hunt anything we want all year long. Yeah, when you're down you know, here, with me. there's pretty much, you name it, and it can be found in somebody's place. Exactly, exactly. And so, I mean, that's that's a lot of fun. I've got I've met a lot of friends. Uh, there's one place, uh, uh, Ken Swenson and his, his ranch. Um, in East Texas, um, what a great, great family! What a great guy he is, and he and I have done some hunting together. And uh, you know, I, I I say hunting. We hunted some. Um, uh, we hunted for some varmints, and uh, we were down there, and we went out at night hunting for these varmints, and we we were laughing so hard it was no it was no wonder we didn't see any varmints. I mean, the two of us were just laughing, telling jokes, and, and we just had a ball together, you know. And that trip was worth it, you know. He he raises uh, Ken Swenson raises these uh, whitetails, and boy, I've got some I've got some pictures of 
some of the most amazing racks you can ever imagine on a white-tailed deer. And he's got them out there. I'll tell you, it's incredible, just incredible. So I enjoy going down there, and I make a point of stopping at Ken's place every chance I can. So, Well, once you hang up that final tour and it's all done, is there any particular yeah. animal that's on your list of saying, this is where I'm going to start to focus, and this is one that I've always dreamed about hunting? What a great question. What a great question. Um, actually, I'd, I'd love, I would really love to get a moose. I, you know, um, our, our tour, our tour bus once hit a moose, <laughs> but that didn't count. <laughs> I'd like to get out there. I'd like to get out there and, and try for moose up in Canada if I could. But we'll see. You know, you know, we'll see. There's, I'd like to get an axis deer. I've never done that down in Texas and, We'll figure out a way to get that done next time you're down here. Yeah, I mean, I hear they're I hear they're great tasting, and I really would love to, to do that. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Looking forward to it. And a moose would definitely be interesting. There's, you know, as far as from Canada to Sweden to to Russia, they're they're all over the place. But I don't yeah, know if you get them. I, I'd like to give it a shot. I really would. I mean, I hunted elk out in Colorado. And I'll never do that again without a horse under my butt. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a tough hunt. That's a tough hunt. But and I, you know I'm I'm a gym rat, so I'm in the gym all the time working out. And uh, I, I thought you know I'm in pretty good shape. I'll be all right for this. Oh man, out of breath up in the, there's no oxygen way up in the mountains, and it is a tough hunt. I don't know if I'd do that again or not. It, I think I'd have to hunt them down in Texas where it's flatter. or down more closer to sea level. What do you think? Yeah, that's certainly an option. Now, have you started putting in for any of your preference points in states like Wyoming or or no, Utah? No, I, I haven't. Be, I haven't because I just, I, I never know. I'm kind of on call, and I never know when I'm going to be in the United States. So I hate to take up someone's hunt. If, if I if I get a, you know, pick for a for a hunt or if I get preference points I don't know how that really works but I think you get so many preference points and then you get picked if you've got you're, you're in a list and you get picked if you got more preference points but uh, I, I don't do that because I don't want to take a hunt away from anybody else that, that has that is here all the time and can go um, I'm, I'm in and out of the country so often that I just can't plan on that so I'll wait and see maybe after retirement hits um, see what I could do then but uh in the meantime, I'm out there hunting different species in different places, and I, I just came back from a hunt down in South Dakota. I was hunting turkeys out there on the uh, Sioux Indian Reservation. Oh, man, what a time that was. And I wanted Incredible. to ask you, how many species, yeah. are, how many of the subspecies of turkeys have you taken now? I've gotten three. The only one I'm missing is the Osceola. Oh, uh, the only one I'm missing down in Florida. Yeah, I, I, I really would like to get that too. If I knew somebody down in Florida, place where I can get it. Yeah, I've got the other three. I've got the eastern birds up here and the Rios down in Texas. I got with my bow down there, and and I got the easterns with my bow up here. And when I went up to South Dakota, I had to bring either my bow or my gun, and I decided to bring a gun because I just didn't know. I never hunted out there, and I didn't know what it was going to be like. But after seeing how many turkeys there are, and I said to my guide, who was, who was an Indian guide, you have to have an Indian guide there because you're hunting on the reservation. And my, I told my guide, I said, I'm going to come back out here and just bring my bow. 
I mean, there's just so many birds that I want to give them with the bow out here. So he was, he was, he was up for that. He was up for that. And, uh, I think, you know, if I'm if I'm home and away from not touring at the time, I'm going to swing out there again and grab one with a ball. It's just so much fun. And they're a beautiful bird. The uh, Marion birds, oh, my God, they're gorgeous. Yeah, I've heard that they're a beautiful bird, and there's some video of that. And in the show notes, I'll have links to it. And they come in in just droves. Oh, yeah, it's, it's hundreds, hundreds of them came down. It was like I, I couldn't believe it. I just saw them. I looked at my guide and I whispered to him, I said, I can't believe how many birds there are out here. And you, you look out there, you just see fans going back and forth, you know. It's unbelievable. I, you know, it's an incredible sight to see. And uh, I'm, I'm looking so far. I mean, I was smiling more than anything, you know. And that's, I love it. I love it when I'm out in the field. And, you know, you make a, you make a hen call and you hear the gobble going off. And, yeah, it's just, it, it just brings a smile to my face, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And, and one of my, my guide as well, the two of us were looking at each other, smiling, and saying, yeah, okay, today's the day, baby. <laughs> people that turkey hunt and get into it understand it's exactly. – most people don't know that turkeys a, – a three-year-old turkey is an old bird. So when oh, you get yeah. one that's lived to that long, they don't do that by being dumb. And so yeah, That's exactly right. To, they don't live that long being stupid. That's right. You know, to get that bird to come in and break pattern and do whatever it needs to get them within archery or shotgun range, that's yeah. a pretty good achievement. Yeah, it's, it's great. I, I got a pretty nice bird when I was there, um, and I knew I was going to get one. I mean, there's just so many birds you can stumble on them. I don't know how many. I don't know how people can get one out there. There's just so many. And I got to say, while I, while I have you on the phone here, that the, the uh, South Dakota Tourism Agency there uh, sponsored this hunt for me. And my God, they were incredible. They, you know, they followed, they, they took care of everything all, all along the way. My flight in, uh, they took me to Mount Rushmore so I could see it, took me down to the Indian Reservation, uh, introduced me to the Sioux Indians down there and the Lakota Nation. It was just an incredible, and it went by so fast that uh, I, I really have to do it again just so I enjoy it a little more. It was like unbelievable. Now, Lou, do any of your kids hunt with you? My one son who lives down in Charlotte now, um, he used to hunt with me when he was home. He's married now and had his own life going on. And uh, when he comes up, if he comes up during hunting season, yeah, he goes out with me as much as he can. My other son doesn't really. He went out, although he took the hunting safety courses and everything, he's not into it as much as, he's not into getting up early at dark 30 in the morning so much. <laughs> he'd rather sleep in. <laughs> but he's got his, he's got his uh, you know, he's got his safety uh, courses under his belt, so he can go whenever he wants if he wants to later in life. But, yeah. So, I mean, I hunt with my with close friends right now, and uh, I hunt with my cousin sometimes, and definitely with my brother. You know, we hunt together. Very cool. Now, speaking of safety, you're a big proponent of a number of things for hunter safety, one of them being yeah. tree stand safety, and you also teach all yeah. the rules and regulations for the state of New York that require a hunter or allow a hunter to get out in the field. Could you yeah. speak to that yeah, a little bit? Right. Yeah, um, I took my son to a hunter safety course, bow hunter safety course, and I had to travel quite a ways. We had to get a hotel room because um, it's a two-day course. 
I said to the instructor at the time, I said, man, I says, you know, you know, these courses, when, when they come out, when they get advertised that there's a course, I sign, I, I call up, try to get my son in it, and it, they're always full. It's full. And, and my, the instructor looked at me, he said, that's right, we don't have all the instructors we need. He said, do you want to be an instructor? And I looked and I... I thought, you know, there's a definite need for it. I said, sure, I'll be an instructor. So I, I took the courses you needed to be an instructor and followed everything you had to be. And now for 25 years now, I, I teach the bow hunting safety course and the gun safety course to kids that, you know, ages anywhere from 11 years old to, you know, 111. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they, they, we I teach the course to everybody. It's a, it's a requirement in New York State that... Um, you have to take the safety course in order to get a certificate so you can ha- get a license. And it's like that in a lot of states now. So I enjoy it. I really do. And I stress, like you said earlier, uh, Jason, I really stress tree stand safety because that, you know, if you're not safe up in the tree stand, you can really, really get hurt. You know, it, it could be a bad scene for you. And you could be all alone in the woods and, you know, with no help coming after you. And it's so I, I stress tree stand safety. I go over that and over it and over it. You know, I, I tell people, you know, you, you get a, a five-point harness that you use when you're up in that stand. Um, and too many people think that, oh, it's never going to happen to me. I'm not going to fall, especially veterans, guys, old grizzled hunters that have been out there forever. They don't think it'll ever happen to them. And it only takes a, a second. It only takes a second. You know, particularly where I am, uh, it gets icy, snowy and icy in the winter months up here. And people slip on their stands, they fall, you know, there's four times, there's four times, and I stress this in class, there's four times that are dangerous when you're up in a stand. It's it's climbing up in a stand, climbing down out of the stand, putting a stand up and taking it down. Those four times are the times when you're going to get injured. And you just have to be very, very careful. People, people that go up there and just tie a rope around their waist figuring that's good enough. It's not good enough. If you fall and you've got a rope around your waist, well, you aren't going to fall to the ground, but somebody will find your dead body hanging from a tree stand uh, because you're cut off all your blood supply. It's just, it's not a safe thing to do. And I realize, and I tell the people in class this, I realize that the harnesses that they give you, manufacturers give you, when you buy a tree stand, they give you a free harness, expecting you to use it. But they, it's like it's like unraveling spaghetti, particularly under moonlight. To try to get one of these harnesses on, it's tough. So I can understand the frustration of people when they say, I just can't do it, and they throw the harness away and go out hunting with their friends. I can understand that. But there's a harness now that's, uh, um, that's in a vest, and you just put the vest on, snap the harness together. It's real easy. takes 10 seconds to do. And you're ready to hunt, you know, and it's a safe way to hunt and you're ready to go. All It's got all the pockets. You can keep your range finder, your gloves, your everything, your release. Everything goes in the pockets. You don't have to search around the house for any of your hunting gear. It's right there. You know, I, I think it's I think if you don't go, I mean, I don't get anything for this. I'm not advertising any particular brand of harness or anything. I'm just saying you need to buy a harness. You need to buy a vest. It is the I think you can get them for anywhere from $50 to $150 if you want the Cadillac model. You know, they all do the same thing, basically, and they they keep you safe up in that stand. You know, if you fall wearing a safety harness, you aren't going to fall very far. Oh, you might be singing high for a while, you know, (laughs) but 
but you're not going to fall and, you know, you could laugh about it later with your friends. You know, there's a video out there and I tell my, my students this in the class, there's a video out there, you know, check it out. Tree stands accidents, you know, Google that. And there's a guy up there who is, who uh, does a video and he says, you know, I'm a professional hunter. My friend and I go out there and we film hunts for TV shows and uh, we're up 25 feet in the air, which is quite a ways up. And uh, it was my day to hold the camera, climbed up in my tree, got in my tree stand and forgot to hook it up. And I forgot to hook my safety harness up. And when I swung the camera around, the tree stand came down and fell out of the stand and I fell with it. And he says, and now I'm a quadriplegic. I mean, it's so sad, so sad to see that happen because of a, a second of a mistake. That, that, that can happen. You know, it's, I, I say if you, you, know, you don't have wings on your back, then you need to use these safety harnesses. The right thing to do is the safe thing to do. And no deer or any animal is worth it, you know, to take the risk and the chance of ruining your whole life. Yeah, I really, I'm, I'm, I'm a stickler on that. I just tree stand safety alone is an hour out of the class. Yeah, and it's very, uh, you know, now where I'm located at down here in South Texas, there are some people that go up in the trees, but you'll have blinds more than the tree stands, uh, right? Because the trees just generally aren't that big. But right. anywhere right. east of the Mississippi, that tree stand safety, everybody's heard the story or knows somebody that's fallen out of a tree stand. And you mm-hmm. just can't emphasize it enough to to put those safety vests on and make sure that you're safe so you go home at the end of the night after having a fun day out in the field, not home in yeah. an ambulance or worse. Right. I mean, if you think about it, you know, again, I'm not, I'm, I don't make a nickel on these things, okay? When I tell the kids in class this, I say, look, this is one model, okay? This is the model I use. But I guarantee you that if something breaks, on, if, if the strap breaks or comes loose on mine, and I write the company, they're going to send me a new vest. They're going to send it to me because it's it's a safety factor. You know, and they want to be able to say, listen, our vests are very safe. So they're going to send you a, a new vest, and that's just the way it is. I spoke to a friend who um, hunts nothing but big deer, big, big bucks. I mean, the kind you go and you see in the museum, that kind of thing. Um, and that's all he hunts. So he hunts alone. He's the kind of guy that you say, you know, where, where'd you get that buck? And his answer is, oh, I got that one in the woods. You know, he's not going to tell you where he got it. That's just the way he is. And that's okay. You know, he hunts alone all the time. And near uh, our area, we have a a game preserve, which is called Montezuma Swamp. It's a federal game preserve. And uh, it allows, they allow you to hunt now. But back in the day, they allowed just bow hunting only. And that's that's what this guy does. And he fell out of his tree stand and broke uh, both his legs and one of his arms when he fell out of the stand and crawled his way, and he was alone, didn't tell anybody where he was hunting, which is another big mistake. You need to tell people where you're going to be. He uh, crawled himself out of, a, out of a swamp and got on the side of the road of a major road and laid there until someone stopped and got help for him, you know. And when I told, when I when I saw him, I said, you know, I, I write for Texas Fishing Game. I'd love to do a, a, an interview with you, and we'll write about it in Texas Fishing Game about tree stand safety. And he, at first he was all for it. And I said, great. I said, well, I bet you use a, I bet you use a harness now after that incident. He said, no, no, I can't do that. <laughs> and I, I said, well, listen, I can't do the interview. I can't do that either. Cause that's, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, it's that's crazy. crazy. I'm not going to promote that at all. That's nuts. I mean, I, 
I said, well, you know, someday I'm going to go to this guy's funeral. You know, I hate to say it, but someday I'm going to do that. And, and uh, man, it really bothers me. It really bothers me when people tell me, oh, I just can't, I can't get used to drawing my bow with this harness on, you know. Well, tough. <laughs> That's all I can say, tough. Well, like you, you know, said, they're now vests. With them being vests now, many of them, and they clip into the very back of the, the harness, there should be no right. interference with drawing bows or, or lifting up your rifle or shotgun or whatever. There should be very little, exactly. if any, interference at all. That's they're all designed to kind of do the same thing now. Well, the point is, the point I'm trying to say is, if you if you feel uncomfortable because you draw your bow back, or and your and your elbow is hitting the the uh, strap that's attached to the tree, well, practice. You know, that's right. part of that's part of uh, that's part of this thing too. When you're you're a hunter, you you got to get out there and you have to practice. It's it's not an you just don't go out there and, you know, say, well, I practiced last year. I know what I'm doing. Well, you know, I shoot almost every day because it has to keep be second nature. I enjoy it, you know. And I, I, you can't practice just from 20 yards out all the time. I practice from tree stands. I practice from, uh, and when I'm practicing in the tree stand, I put my harness on. Absolutely, when I'm up there, it's the first thing I do, put my harness on. It's important. It's that important that you need to do it. You know, talk about safety for the classes. I mean, it's not just tree stand safety. It's, you know, things that you should think of that are common sense things that aren't so common sense when people are out there in the field because they don't think about it. Yeah, it's paramount for not only you, but for your family. Exactly. Uh, to keep exactly. yourself your safe. friends and family, you have, to, you have to be safe, period. That's all there is to it, you know. Tell people where you're going to hunt, you know. If, you, if you've got a, if you're married or you've got a girlfriend or whoever or your friends or whatever, take them out there to your tree stands and show them right where you're going to be. Say, this is stand number one, this is stand number two, this is the stand number three. And then write a note when you're out there hunting saying, uh, I'm out in the woods, I'm in stand number two, I'll be home an hour after dark, you know. Then if you're not home an hour after dark, you know, they know right where to look for you. Yep, they can know? start to get concerned and, and figure out what's going on. Right, exactly, exactly. And if you're hunting, you know, most people have cell phones today, you know, don't be sitting in your tree stand texting uh, your your friends and saying, oh, yeah, it's a nice day. Oh, I saw a nice buck. I saw this. And then your battery runs dead. And what are you going to do if something happens and you got you can't call in because you texted people about nothing, you know. And then you, when you need to use the phone, your battery's low. I tell people that, too. Don't do that. Just don't do it. It's, it's crazy. You're out there hunting. It's it's a Yes, it's a lot of fun. It's basically a safe sport, but in bow hunting in particular, if you're out there bow hunting, if something happens, generally it's self-inflicted. You did it to yourself. Yeah, you've got from, to from, take the time and, and, and just be careful. You do. You do. To enjoy years and years and years of hunting, you've got to just be safe and you've got to be careful. Now, with you teaching these uh, kids that are coming in to take their hunter safety certificates and, and all the rules, right? you've been doing this now for 25 years, did you say? 25 years, yeah. And yeah. what have you seen with the classes? Have you seen the sizes go down, the, the demand go down, or has it stayed fairly constant? No, that's constant? a great question. Yeah, that's a great question. It's always full. It's always full. And um, I'm not the Lone Ranger here. There's other instructors in New York State that say the same thing, that say, you know, as soon as my class is, is offered, it's full within two days. It's full. And um, many times we're only allowed to take uh, a certain number of people every every class because they, you know, they don't want too many people because then 
they get you can't really teach a class that's huge with only one instructor or two instructors. So we keep our classes at a minimum. But as it gets closer to hunting season, I know how hard it is to find an open class. And so if I've got a certificate, I'll go five, five, maybe ten people above my limit just to have, you know, because people won't show either, you know. And I and I stress this too with all these uh, meetings with the Department of Conservation. And I say, look, yeah, I, I offer a class and. If I take 30 people in my class and 15 people don't show, well, that tells me that maybe it's an anti-hunter that, you know, is just filling up the class so somebody can't get their license. Oh, good you know? point. And that happens, that happens all the time. So I always book more people than my class is supposed to allow, and the average is out to be about right by the end of the day. So, but that happens. That's, that's, that happens all the time where anti-hunters get in the get in the way and they they do whatever they can to stop the the sport of hunting and and uh, you know if you're if you're following the the rules and you're legal uh, there should be no reason why it shouldn't get to be that point you know it just no. shouldn't get to be like that and are you seeing more young ladies showing up in the class you know what i do i see women showing up all the time um i think it's a, i think it's great i really do they get a little they get a little uh squirmish when uh when i have to talk about field dressing <laughs> and i show a video about field dressing a deer yeah they they don't like that so much but that's all part of it and i tell them it's part of it but yeah that's great they um there's, there's quite a few females now, and I don't know if they're they're sitting through the class or their husbands or their boyfriends can get an extra tag. I, I hope that's not the case, but we'll see. Well, you know, it is what it is. The number total number of hunters hasn't really grown over the years. The diversity of the the hunting pool has grown pretty dramatically, and you see a lot more women involved, which is great for the sport. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, just across the board, the more people that are you know, we just have to, to keep the folks that want to hunt with the ability to hunt and the folks that are indifferent or not opposed to it from becoming opposed to it. So the more people that learn, the the better I am for it. Exactly. You know, I, I uh, it, you know, that goes in my ethics part of my class, uh, which is the very first thing I touch upon is ethics and how you act when no one else can see you. And it doesn't stop there. It's how you act out in the, out in the community. You know, if you're in a bar and you're having a few drinks with your friends or, or you're in one of the stores, you're talking about you're talking about a hunt that you've been on with one of your friends. You can't sit there and say, well, I hit one. I shot one with my bow, and uh, took off with my arrow. You know, man, I couldn't find this. So I let it alone. Well, you know, if there's a non-hunter, you know, who's listening to that, they're thinking, what kind of people are these people? They, they're out there shooting these poor animals and not even bothering to find them. I mean, what? What kind of people are they? And you've just made that person against hunting, period. That's just the way it is. And, you know, I tell people, you have to, you know, watch how you, watch what you say when you're out in the, in the public. There's only 10% of the people in our nation that actually hunt. And there's um, 10% of people that are totally against hunting. So at least 80% of the people that can swing either way. And it's important that you project yourself as being someone who's responsible and caring and, and law-abiding. I think there's ways of, of doing that in, just in conversation. But, I, but again, if you're in a conversation with an anti-hunter who's just totally against hunting, can't understand why you get up at dark 30 in the morning and you're out there shooting this animal. It reminds me of a story my friend had that my friend Tom told me about. He said he had this anti-hunter 
woman who was screaming at him, saying, how can you kill these poor defenseless deer with an arrow? What did they ever do to you? You know, the beautiful animals. How can you do that? You're out there killing these animals. What's the matter with you? <laughs> he looked right at her. He looked right at her and said with a straight face, ma'am, I've been married for 35 years. I have to kill something. So. <laughs> 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 well, then, anyway, most of the time, even engaging with uh, somebody that's just a really hardcore anti-hunter, yeah, you're just you wasting can't. your breath. You're better off to yes, spend right. your time educating that 80% that are indifferent one way or another and could could go either way. That's right. That's right. Those are the folks that will actually listen. Yeah, they might not take up hunting, but they're not against you either. And uh, these are the people that vote for laws. These are the people that that vote whether or not you can hunt on a Sunday. Because when I first started hunting, Jason, you couldn't hunt on Sunday. That was just the rule in New York State. You could not hunt on Sundays. So that meant if you worked a job 9 to 5, Monday through Friday, you worked all those days and then Saturday, you wanted to hunt, but it's pouring rain. Oh, you're screwed. That's the end of it. You can't go. You see what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Especially if it was a two-week season. You can't. You can't. Can you legally hunt with a bow in the rain? Yes. Legal, of course you can. Is it morally is it responsible for you to do that? No, it's it's not. You know, if you shoot, if you're fortunate enough to to get a, a shot of the deer, even if it's a good shot with a deer, and the deer takes it off running, you got to be able to follow a blood trail. And if it's raining out, forget it. By the time you climb out of your stand, you wait the appropriate time and climb out of your stand. There is no blood trail. It's all washed away. So I tell my people, I tell them, I tell my students, look, if I were you, I wouldn't even bother going out in rain. That's a personal choice. Now, anytime there is a uh, wounded deer, does New York allow yeah. for uh, dogs to be used to track the wounded deer? There is a program where they have trained dogs that will go after deer, wounded deer, and it's a volunteer program. And these guys come out with their trained dogs and uh, They'll ask you questions on the phone first, you know, about where you hit it, uh, what color blood is it, are there bubbles in the blood. They'll ask you a bunch of questions. They'll determine whether or not that it's good for them to come out. I mean, many times, especially if it's at night, it could be like a two or three, you know, they might, after you track a deer and it's midnight, you might call them at midnight and say, look, I hate to bother you, but I've been, I've been tracking this deer and I can't find it anymore. And there's, I'm afraid coyotes will find it before I will. You know, these people get out of bed, grab their dogs and come. They volunteer to do this. It's amazing. This group of people, it's like incredible. And, uh, you know, again, when I, when I mentioned in class, I say, you know, it's a volunteer thing. It's a, it's a free service. I said, but it wouldn't hurt you to think about uh, maybe throwing them a tip here and there. <laughs> you know, yeah, they're getting up out of bed because of your mess up. <laughs> you know, come on. Yeah, that's a great thing that states uh, Michigan has a, a tracking, a dog tracking, you know, deer tracking uh, service. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a charge for it, but it's extremely nominal. And uh, mm-hmm. a lot of places down here in Texas have the dogs that will track the blood trails. It's a great way to find your animal so that it's not yeah. wasted. You follow through on that hunt from beginning to end, and you take your yeah. harvest out of the field. So, yeah, those are great programs. Yeah, it really is. I tell people, I say, look, if you've got blood, you've got a, a responsibility to, to, to 
continue on that deer. And when you don't have blood anymore, here's what you can do. And I give them the phone number to call <laughs> these people. And it's a great program, you know. Tell me a little bit, Texas Fish and Game Magazine. Any neat yeah. articles coming up over the next few months that you've been working on for that magazine? Um, I write about, we have a two-month lead time on there. So I, I think right now my next column is going to be for November, I believe. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I write about what is what we're hunting around that time. So it's definitely going to be all about deer, maybe some hog stories. But I try to write about what people are interested in for that particular month. It gets a little tougher, you know, during the off-season when you can only hunt exotics down there. For anybody that's uh, not in the state of Texas, there's also the digital option for that magazine, correct? Yeah, there is. Yeah, there is. And it's it's really it's, it's really good. And they have all the stories in them. You can watch, you can read the whole magazine just digitally on your on your tablet, your phone, whatever. So yeah, that works out well. And I'll have a link to that in the in the show notes for this. But for anybody oh, that is great. either uh, but mm-hmm. outside of the state, uh, anywhere across the U.S., Canada, or the world for that matter, that you have internet access, if you want to read Lou's articles, they're there for you to access at any time you like. Well, we've got hunter, father, tree stand, and hunting advocate, and then heavy metal singer by day. Uh, you've had quite the <laughs> quite the life there, Lou. Well. You know, I, I'm fortunate. I'm really fortunate enough to be doing something both for, for a living and for um, just my own entertainment. I'm fortunate enough to be able to uh, have the time to have a job that I love doing. It's not even work. You know, if you if you, if you you do something you love, you'll never work a day in your life. That's what they say. And uh, I've been fortunate enough to do music my whole life, which gives me a lot of free time as well. So I get out there and do something I love to do for, re- for entertainment and recreation. So, yeah, I've had a pretty fortunate life, I have to say. I really have. Well, that fortunate usually comes along with a lot of hard work. It was amazing getting to catch up with you here. I look forward to reading more of your articles uh, through the Texas Fish and Game magazine, hearing of your exploits, and then catching up with you after your tour is done, see how that went. Oh, yeah. That'll be fun. Make sure you call me back. Will do. And uh, Again, it was a pleasure, and uh, you take care. Enjoy your day up there, and hopefully you get out to maybe do something a little relaxing, cast wet a line, something. Sounds great. Sounds great, Jason. Thanks a lot. My pleasure. Early spring, it's getting green. Fisher on the bed, and hear those turkeys gobble. It's ringing in my head. The winter rides bass boat. Here comes another year. Yeah, we command the outdoors round here. Oh, we. Yeah, we command the outdoors Come summertime, we're feeling fine Fishing on the lake Flipping jigs in Carolina rigs From early morning till real late Bonfires on Creek Bank, kick back a couple beers. Yeah, we command the outdoors around here. Yeah, we command the outdoors.
windows Yeah, we can man the outdoors Next year's does until you know winter's on the way Brushing blinds and deer stands The fever starts to creep Fill our freezers full of ducks Lots of tender deer Yeah, we command the outdoors around here Yeah, we command the outdoors Yeah, we command the outdoors So grab your guns and shells, boys Put on your camouflage Cause we command the outdoors around here We command the outdoors